Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Welcome to the breakfast show. It's me, Ryan Huang. Well, do you have a startup or business that you're looking to get funded? In today's Biz How To, we are going to get into how to get funded. So some tips as we chat with a venture capital firm that's invested in some of the most successful startups and businesses in the world. And some of these are well-known brands such as Zoom, Stripe, Spotify and Roblox. And we'll discuss the key factors that VCs consider when evaluating a startup or business for investment, as well as some tips that you might find useful to pitch your ideas to investors. And to help us out today, we've got Karen Mola, General Partner of B Capital. Good morning, Karen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this chat and a good conversation. So yeah. thanks again for having me. It's awesome to have you on because you're the expert when it comes to the startup space. So give us a bit of a walkthrough into the world of funding. How many different types are we looking at when it comes to VC funding at least? Sure, sure. It can be a bit complicated, so I'll try and break it down. And you know, we'll keep it to, as you said, to venture funding uh, and venture equity funding. So broadly speaking, you could cut it in many different ways. But broadly speaking, there are four different kinds of funding um, within venture. The, the first is more what's called seed funding, which is to get businesses off the ground. Mm. Um, it could just be two guys in a garage with a business plan. And those have been the most famous ones like Google, Apple, etc., but that's largely what seed funding is, where you, know, you really back the entrepreneur or entrepreneurs and the business idea and help them really get off the ground. Beyond that, you get into what we call early stage funding, which is really typically notified by when you hear about Series A or Series B funding. And those kinds of fundings are slightly larger in amounts, could be honestly between 2 and $10 million in a normal market. Of course, there are exceptions. But that's really to get the businesses that have gotten off the ground into a little bit more of a growth mode and really help expand their business beyond what's called product market fit. So those are the first two kinds of funding. Beyond that, you get into what's called growth stage funding, where you have a business that's growing, you want to expand it into new products, new segments, new markets, and that allows that expansion to happen without necessarily having to reinvest from the profits of the company. And then the last stage before you go public is what you call late-stage funding. Typically, companies at this point should be profitable or very close to profitability. And that's really to help get companies to a much larger scale, potentially look at acquiring companies if they go down that path and, and build or inorganically, and really get the right type of management and folks around the table who can help take the company public. So... If I could broadly categorize venture or equity funding, it would be in these four categories. And, you know, as a firm at B Capital, we play sort of across all these stages and we are able to help companies through their life cycle before going public. Yeah, so different stages of a startup's journey. The VC comes in to help propel them to the next level. You know, I'm just thinking, hey, I have an idea. Uh, I've always wanted to come up with fancy socks. So if I wanted to get money from you, Karen, what's going to impress you? What are the key factors you're looking for when you're going to be investing in a startup? Well, we love to meet founders. So I think we our first and foremost thing that we look for is just to meet great founders because great founders make great businesses. All right, so what do you mean by great founders? I think founders? as a founder, that's a great question again. So great founders are people you know, who have clear idea about what they're wanting to do, what they're wanting to build, and what problem they're wanting to solve, how they'll go about it, and what kind of people they need to build it. Right. So very clear vision around these three or four criteria. Sometimes you have great founders who've got great ideas, but they don't know what problem they're solving. And then that becomes a gap. Or they become very, very wedded to an idea 
uh, and are not able to necessarily adapt as a market changes, right? So you need founders who are adaptable, who are dynamic, who can evolve. So I think the making of a great founder is so nuanced, but ultimately I think that's when you see founders, you meet with them, you understand what they're wanting to do, you get a sense of what they're wanting to do and, and how they're wanting to go about it. I think that's, without a great founder, there is no business that can be built, right? If you have a great founder, if you mm. don't have a great founder who's willing to run through walls to make things work for them and their investors and shareholders, then even in the best markets, you know, they will not be able to build something truly substantial, truly great, truly enduring. Right? So I think that's the that's single biggest thing. And then the second part, especially at early stage, which becomes important, is just a market opportunity. You know, as a venture investor, you're playing in fairly risky side of uh, you know, investing. The money that you're investing could go to zero, but the money could also 10 times, 100 times. And so that risk reward needs to be balanced and thought through very, you know, very meticulously. So the market opportunity actually needs to be able to allow you as an investor for that company to actually grow to that level. Right? So there's, if the market opportunity is very small, you're almost never going to get uh, a great outcome. Mm. So then why actually take that risk of investing in a business which could also go to zero? So I think those are the two sort of main elements that we really look for. The great founders who want to build enduring businesses that are actually building and operating in large market segments. And it's the confluence of these two when they come together you know, when you get to some of the names that you mentioned at the beginning of your, at the beginning of the segment, which is if you look at companies like Roblox or, or Meta, I mean, those are such large platforms today. They're brands by themselves. It's because they were built by great founders in very, very large market segments. All right. So I'm going to put my shoes in a founder of a startup, and I'm just going to be, I guess, trying to figure out how to get funding. What does it involve at a start? Is it just a matter of, you know, cold calling or do I have to meet the right people and then when I do meet that right person what is the process like do mm-hmm. I need a 30 second elevator pitch or do I need a PowerPoint deck what needs to be done in order to get you convinced to take a closer look sure look and, and there's a lot to unpack there so let's get into that I think the first thing is you need to know as a founder which investor you're reaching out to and why for instance if you're building something in e-commerce but the firm that you're reaching out to is more of a healthcare investor, then there's a big dissonance in terms of why you're pitching to them and what they will invest in. So I think knowing mm. your investor is very important. Knowing your investor, and then possibly even within that, going a step further, knowing which um, individual investor within that firm is the best person for you as a founder. So if someone is spending more time in X vertical, but you're in, in another industry, then they may not really understand what you're trying to do. So there's some a little bit of level of specialization that also helps. So that's one thing, right? Knowing your investor, understanding them, and really figuring out why you're wanting to reach out and have they done something in the past. I think beyond that, it's actually what you said, right? It's having a clear and concise pitch deck, which shows what your vision is, what you're wanting to build, why you're wanting to build it, the problem trying to solve it, how you're going to go about it. And then, you know, a little bit about the founder and, and the background of the team, and then how much capital you'll need. And this is at the early stage, right? Once you have a little bit of business traction, then you want to show what that web traction is, how the unit economics work, etc. But not having a clear and concise pitch, having too much information makes it very difficult for somebody who's meeting you for the first time, possibly for you know 30 to 45 minutes. It becomes very difficult for them to really unpack things. So I think having a very specific message and a short message of this is important. Those are the two big things. I think the third thing is just giving a sense of, look, what you as a founder bring to the table, 
why you have an unfair advantage to win in that particular market for the particular business that you're building, right? I think that's very important for investors to be able to understand as soon as you articulate what you're actually trying to build. These are, I think, three very key things that uh, investors look for and from a from a founder's perspective, is critical, right? Because I think if they're able to put these things together, then the first conversation becomes that much easier. Beyond that, then it's a question of look the specifics of the business, how the investor or the firm actually views it, mm. and then they take they take it from there on. All right. We're in conversation with Karen Mola. He is the general partner of B Capital. Now, Karen, let's talk about the pitch deck. And you mentioned information. So, what are the numbers we should be prioritizing in order to? You know, send a message that, hey, I'm the right setup. So are we looking at growth numbers? And of course, and your setup is not going to be profitable at the start. How do you, in that sense, massage the numbers or make it convincing? Well, that's a great question. I think that's where people sometimes aren't able to articulate it well. So I actually, for early stage, I think there's just a few sets of numbers that are important. The first one is just the market opportunity or what you call the TAM, the total addressable market. That's essentially a estimation either by yourself and ideally by some credible third party in terms of how big and how large that market that you are building in, how large is that market today and how large is that market maybe four or five years mm. from now. You know, usually there are ways to go about estimating that. And look, generally speaking, as a founder, you'll have, you know, you, you may come up with a number of 10 and then there'll be a little bit of debate of, you know, the investor will think maybe it's closer to five. And then, you know, the idea is to really understand what are the assumptions driving it because there's no way it's, it's 10 or five, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But I think really understanding is the market opportunity large enough. That's, I think, everything kind of drives from there because the market opportunity is point one you know, on the scale of one to 10, then it's probably not for most investors. It's probably the right thing for another type of, an, uh, maybe not an institutional investor. Okay. Probably the right type, kind of thing for something you know, as an individual investor. That's one. And, and that sort of drives everything. And the, the second really is just around your own business models, what you're trying to sell. And that encapsulates a few things, what you're selling at what price, the cost of actually producing that good and your margins associated with that. And below that, what are your fixed operating costs, right? So to get a sense of how much do you need to invest in fixed infrastructure, which is people, maybe office, et cetera, to be able to support what you're selling. And then uh, related to that is for each unit of what you're selling, whether it's a product or a service, what is the selling cost variable and fixed associated with that? So how much do you need to invest for each dollar mm. to be able to get, to be able to make it profitable and how long will that take? I think if you have these three broad frameworks in place, then for any investor to understand the viability of that business, even in the first instance, becomes that much easier. All right, that's a great overview. And just to wrap things up, Karen, what's your take on the common mistakes that some startups and business founders make when they're pitching investors? You know, what's the takeaways you want someone hearing this to bear in mind when they are pitching for funding? Look, I think it, it, it goes back to a few very first principles. I think one is just knowing your investor uh, and understanding why you want to pitch to them, that I mentioned. The second is being very clear about what problem you're trying to solve and what you're building, how that will solve it, and what is the competitive landscape around it. Right? So these are very interconnected. Oftentimes, what I've seen is because founders are very keen to pitch, they neglect to mention, they almost always mention the product that they're building. Sometimes they neglect to mention and really get into the details on, look, what is the problem actually that they're trying to solve and how they'll go about it. Mm. And almost always founders tend to underestimate or not fully cover the competitive landscape because they're like, look, you know, this is the best thing in, in this market. 
and it's almost inevitable that you will have some competition because if there was a white space in the market, surely somebody is at least as smart as you, you know, out there who's also thinking about it. There will be the exceptions where you will be the first entry in, in a new market, but then you're actually most likely creating that category as opposed to going into an existing market. Right? So actually having a very thorough understanding of your competitors and why you are best positioned to it is important because it's not like VCs that VCs understand that there is competition, but it's more about look what can the disruptor do to the incumbent and why they will win. Right? I think understanding that and not being too defensive about it because. As an investor, you're not trying to poke holes to, to make someone look bad. I think it's genuine to understand where the, the winning trade for that particular company is. And the idea is always to make a large pie and then own a part of it as opposed to make a small pie but own a lot of it. Right? That's, the outcomes are always better in the former compared to the latter. So I think those are the key sort of takeaways that I'd always like to share openly with founders. And hopefully that's helpful. Oh, I can really hear the passion coming through in those thoughts, Karen. We've been hearing some great advice from Karen Mola. He's the general partner of B Capital Group, helping us out in today's biz, how to get funding if you're a startup or a business. Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, really enjoyed the conversation and I really hope it was helpful to everyone out there. But appreciate it again. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.